Join me, Professor RPG, as I sit down with friends, colleagues, and special guests as we reminisce and discuss role-playing games that left their mark on us. Expect to see all sorts, from western style to Japanese and even tabletop. So stay a while and listen, and let us trigger those memories of tales long since completed. Relive that fantasy you hold dear, and come along with us, adventurer, on this quest into the past. Welcome to the RPG University. Class is in session, and this week we are talking about a game that hasn't come out yet. In a strange amalgamation of RPG University and our Rational Points, uh, a Rational Passions Viewpoint series, I'm joined by perhaps one of the smoothest gentlemen in all of video game journalism, whose personality is far bigger when you meet him in person, Jarrett John. Jarrett Green, to talk about the upcoming Marvel Midnight Suns that I had a chance to uh, check out at Firaxis with a hands-on demo. But first, Jarrett, how's it going? I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty sweaty right now. Uh, whenever the people hear this, they're going to be well into June. It's it's summer season, folks. <laughs> Pull them fans out. Bring the shorts out. Drink plenty of liquids. Well, I mean, people will be hearing this tomorrow. Even better. This is an urgent message from me to you. (laughs) Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated with G Fuel, the official, the unofficial drink of choice by Jared Green and Irrational Passions. And could be official if they just reach out to me. Yeah. And send a check. You are in the market for official sponsors, I I hear. Always. But yes, we are here to talk about the upcoming Marvel Midnight Suns game, developed by Firaxis Software by the team that brought us the fantastic XCOM Enemy Unknown and XCOM 2. This recently, I had a chance, and I, I was actually flown out to Baltimore to check this out and spend about five hours to uh, play from the beginning to as far as I could get. And uh, I'm here to kind of talk about my experience and answer questions you might have, Jarrett, and just kind of talk about this and what we think this could be uh, when it releases in October. Um, By the time you hear this, the official announcement of when it's releasing October 7th will be known. So, uh, but yeah, so this game, Marvel Midnight Suns, is a take on the 1992 comic series uh, from Marvel known as Rise of the Midnight Suns. Their Sons is S-O-N. But yeah, it initially came out in 1992. And here are some video games you could have also been playing as you were waiting for the next issue of Midnight Suns to release. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 released. Darkwing Duck. Kirby's Dream Land. Super Mario Land 6 Golden Coins. Wolfenstein 3D. Contra 3 Alien Wars. Super Mario Kart. Bucky O'Hare, uh, Ninja Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Hyperstone Heist, Lunar, The Silver Star-, Silver Star on Sega CD, and The Lethal Weapon video game, just to name a few. So it was a pretty stacked year, 1992. I don't think I've ever played, like, the original Lunar Silver Star. I've played, like, Silver Star Story Complete, like yeah. everybody else has, I think, because that that's the game that kind of got ported and kept getting remade, but... Yeah, I wonder if it's even worth going back to find it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 
And honestly, I know they added some like cutscenes or improved some of the graphics of it, but I don't know if there's any main gameplay differences between the Lunar Silver Star and Silver Star Story Complete. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm like you. I don't know if I would ever ever go back to it. Um, but maybe for the collection one day, if it, if I find one for a good deal. But Jarrett, before we dive into Midnight Suns itself, I'm curious, what's kind of your history with like Marvel video games and superhero games in general? I feel like it's similar with everyone. I feel like everyone's played uh, the old console like licensed games like the Spider-Man game mm-hmm. I think everyone's uh, touched on the that the, the the legacy of sort of multiplayer Diablo clone style like X-Men Legends and Legends 2 and Ultimate mm-hmm. Alliance um, I've dabbled in some of the mobile games as well uh no, I mean the mobile games aren't really. They're all like half a good idea, but then the you know all the monetization and the the gotcha stuff kind of steps in and kind of cuts off, cuts them off at the knees almost every time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been it's it's really surprising. It's taken really this long for something like this to happen because Marvel's been a huge sort of media property for so long that you would imagine like way more games would be out. But really, you know, since the MCU started, we've only really gotten, like, the Avengers game from two years ago or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you had we had Insomniacs, Fantastic, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man. Um, that's the big one. Um, but yeah, outside of that, we had Marvel Heroes. That one got shelved. That was kind of the Diablo, the free-to-play Diablo-like. That got shelved a number of years back. But yeah, outside of that, Avengers was the first hero team up i would say and then you had guardians but yeah it's it's been a while and there's just so much space in between those games like so many other things that maybe i, I don't know how the licensing works and that's probably why this hasn't happened but there's there's so much more sto- so many more stories to tell you don't have to tell in a movie or a tv show or you know within the confines of the mcu with all these licenses it's surprising that like the only ones we've gotten are the ones with movies, basically. Yeah. And so this is—it it's, it's, was remarkable to see the trailer for this because this is the first time they're like actually making a comic book game, mm-hmm. like since the MCU started. It feels like. Yeah, and I remember growing up having so many, like, so many superhero games. Like I remember, and I loved um, Marvel's War of the Gems. That was a two D side scrolling beat 'em up. You had the X Men beat 'em up. You had. Like Spider-Man and Carnage, or, or Maximum Carnage, you had all those older games, and then yeah, it just kind of disappeared after the X-Men Legends and Marvel Ultimate Ultimate Alliance years, and now it's just only really starting to come back. And in such like a, I don't want to say not approachable, but like a, a turn-based strategy game with like a deck-building element is like not exactly mainstream i mean it's pretty big right it's like mm-hmm. this the the xcom clone is not a is not a niche genre <laughs> mm-hmm. xcom 2 kind of blew the doors off this thing and i feel like games like that come out yearly now but if i was you know how do i make the most popular characters and 
and symbols basically like, like pop culture symbols into a video game I, I would probably you'd assume it'd be like an action game or something something open worldy and not something that is so like mechanically crunchy and, and mm-hmm. that requires so much uh tactical thinking and lots of rule reading then yeah which you know i i applaud them for it's a, it's a i mean it's fraxis because what they do but someone who has a license and, and wants to spend money or wants somebody to spend money on it uh, and takes a risk really giving it away looking at that and saying let's go with the with the fucking nerds mm-hmm. i i applaud that kind of uh that, that kind of gumption yeah for sure so so the main story was that i was just to catch up listeners um i was brought out like i mentioned to the Firaxis studio where they're currently developing this game um shown around their studio and then got a long hands-on period of it and one of the things they talked about in kind of this presentation beforehand was uh the, the studio especially jake solomon the creative director's love of comics and one of his favorite series and kind of storylines that they really wanted to pull from was the rise of the midnight suns this more dark darker tone darker in tone more supernatural focused uh, team and kind of storyline which is why they went with it because midnight suns draws heavily from a lot of smaller known characters that deal more with the supernatural as opposed to just the random enemies and thanos and whatnot so in the original one you had like morbius you had blade you had a bunch of characters uh it was started in one of the ghost rider uh one of the ghost rider comics ghost rider's still in it here but it's been adapted and jake and the rest of the team was very admin about saying it's like they've they've pulled elements from the original story but they have made this all their own brand new characters like wolverine captain america were definitely not in the original but are here in this game but a couple of the things they announced were uh, a, a few new characters marvel uh scarlet witch will be joining you both as a boss and a playable character along with spider-man and they showed off, and we actually got to play and have Spider-Man in it. So my experience was playing the first five hours and getting a, a taste of both the combat portion as well as the, the big hub area known as the Abbey. And one of the things going in, kind of like what you said, Jared, the idea of a card-based tactical game from the XCOM devs, but using cars was very strange, and I and I think it's safe to say that that was more the most uh, confusing kind of uh, heated element that was discussed online after it was announced. So, um, but like, what was your initial take with the the announcement that they were going to have, like this game was going to be a, a card based battler? I don't. I wish I knew. I, I you know, I worry. I guess a little bit because uh, not everything needs cards. I feel like that's become the new dice, um, where it's like a thing to 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 add a bit of randomization, a little bit of RNG to spice up the tactical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see it in board games or tabletop games all the time. You, having rules that are cut and dry three always is always three no matter what is kind of boring so you gotta gonna spice it up somehow right uh 
and I can understand um, the need to do that. It's weird that we've kind of gotten to a point, thanks to the success of really good card games, um, that people are trying to find ways to put it in everything they do. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be a bad thing, but I think it has to be proven. And the, the trailer and that, that early gameplay stuff doesn't really prove it either way, like mm-hmm. prove it as good or bad. Um, but it feels, you know, just knee-jerkly like a like an extra layer of complication um, that feels like there's more potential to muck up the works than it is to, you know, make something feel better. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to bury something I've never played. No, for sure. And I was in very much the same mindset when I went in. Um, I was a big fan of XCOM and XCOM 2, so when they announced this, I was like... Why throw cards into a formula that already works? And one one of the things they brought up, they, they touched upon this very early on in their presentation was, and I can attest, this is not XCOM with cards. It feels and plays dramatically different. Like, pretty much every aspect of it is completely not XCOM. The, the areas that you do fight are much smaller and more condensed, are almost small to mid-sized arenas. Whereas XCOM, you could have large, large levels that with different areas you can hide behind and buildings and whatnot. At least in the five hours I played, very much not the case. These are much more intimate quarters. Um, you're dealing with five to seven plus, like between five to ten enemies on screen at a time. Usually between the five and seven mark. Um, but you reinforce will come. But one of the big things that they stressed was that this, like, unlike an XCOM where you are fighting the superior enemies, where you're dealing with kind of accuracy of your guns and you're just a soldier trying to make do, so you have to, like, you have to take cover. You have to try and line up your shots. They might miss. The idea here and the, the design philosophy that went into Midnight Suns, this game, was you play, like, as a superhero, you are the superior uh, foe. So your attacks don't miss. You don't worry about uh, a range. Like any t- ability you have, you don't have to be within X amount of uh, an X distance from an enemy to use it. You just select the ability, you select who you're going to attack with it, and you'll run or teleport or fly there. Um, but your attacks will always hit, you will always deal the damage that the card says you will. Unless you've, like, buffed it with a spell. Um, like, from Doctor Strange, he's really good at buffing. But that was the the gist they wanted to go with. That this is a very heroic, like, super heroic fantasy kind of-esque game that they wanted to impart. And that's how they designed the system around. And, like, the attacks are all very dramatic, dynamic, and whatnot. But they removed the grid-based. And... One of the main reasons they did that was there's a lot of environmental items that you can interact with. There's uh, ex- like explosive barrels that you can kick enemies into. There's like power generators that you can fling enemies into that shock and stun them for a turn. There's all these things you can bounce enemies off one another. You can knock them into each other. It's all it's a much more organic movement because um, you aren't restricted by the grid and it feels 
it felt a lot better than I was expecting it to going in. Not gonna lie. <laughs> um, well, it's cool to know that, you know, calling it XCOM is then not fair because that's not right. true. Um, because when you think of XCOM, you think of all of those micro elements that right. make XCOM the cover and the mischance. That plus the randomization of the card, which is, I imagine, your abilities, does add, does make it for a game that has a lot of mechanic in the way of the gameplay. But if you take away all that kind of stuff, and really the only random RNG is what you, what is in your hand right now, right. Um, that is a different scenario. Like if, like you said, if everything you do will definitely happen if you want it to happen. And it's just a matter of, you know, how do you get the stack to work for you? Like exactly. In a, in a, in a more of, a, of an actual, like, traditional trading card game situation. Then mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah, so each character, each hero has a deck of eight cards that you can slot your abilities, your unlocked cards into, which are their abilities. Um, and then your hand that is drawn at the beginning of every turn will be composed of all the decks of the heroes that you brought into combat with you. Up in the, the rounds that I played, you were always bringing in three heroes. So you always had a cycling 24 cards that would compose your hand. Um, there wasn't much in terms of uh, a lot of variety of cards in the, the, the time that I had, but the, they did say that each hero would have roughly... 20 around 20 ability cards that they could eventually unlock and gain through uh, this game's version of uh, card packs which are called gamma coils um, very in a very hearthstone fashion tony unlocks this gamma coil and you get three cards or three plus cards with their their backs facing you and you click on them to spin them around and then you you pick one to take with you but so it does look like there is a good amount of variety um, as you play, and you can like upgrade the cards as you go through with Blade and and all sorts of stuff. So it it, it did feel really good, and there is promise of variety. I feel like what um, of the characters you played, what did you find was your favorite? Sure. So the characters that we had available to us were. Blade, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, The Hunter, which is the original created character for special for this game that you can design and kind of customize the looks for. Uh, you had Magic, which is Colossus's sister. You had Robbie, Robbie Reyes, the, the, this version's uh, the most recent or the current Ghost Rider. You had Nico Minaru, and I believe those were the only oh and captain marvel so those were the characters that you could and and excuse me and spider-man you get spider-man towards the end of the area where you play uh so you could in any in most levels you can select between three two other characters to go to take with you in addition to the hunter for the story missions you have to take this the, the the hunter um but yeah, I usually st stuck with Spider-Man, Hunter, and Magic. So Magic is really all about setting up portals and like area, like zone zoning control, because she can teleport all the enemies in her area, area of effect spell, her area of effect tag, and drop them in kind of a singular point. Um, she can also like 
open portals and then kick people through the portals that she had previously set up. So there's lots of cool things with that. And the big thing that you have... The main card gimmick, I guess. Like this Midnight Suns version of mana, basically, if you're familiar with Magic the Gathering, is called Heroism. And you have cards that generate heroism, and then you have larger abilities that use this resource. But in addition to these big attacks, you can also use them, use heroism to, like, throw a block of concrete at an enemy, or, like, jump off a platform and then do an overhead attack. Like, special environmental interactive elements you can use by taking, by using this heroism resource, which was really cool. You know what it reminds me a little bit of? Um, have you ever played any Hero Clicks? I've heard of Hero Clicks, um, but I have not played it myself, no. So is that a It's like, um, yeah. it's a tabletop game, but it's not like, uh, it's not high quality models like, you know, like a Warhammer or whatever. But you would buy the the clicks in boxes. I think you, I think originally they're almost like booster packs, but you can actually buy them individually now at this point. Mm-hmm. But um, you would play on flat play mats, and they would have like cards that were like their abilities or whatever. But there was always like an element of using the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so as there wasn't um, there wasn't like cover mechanics in the same way as you know your normal tabletop games with terrain or whatever. There was definitely like, you know, basic line of sight, but also if you were near like a if if the environment said that there's a a uh, power a power pole next to you, you can just pick that up and throw it at someone if you have enough, mm-hmm. you know, points to do that. Um, it was very much a every all of your characters can do like a bajillion things. Um, both unique, like uh, a small list of unique things, but also just like their normal actions. There's a bunch of other shit that they just interact with all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I guess, it, so I guess the idea was that it was very moment to moment tactical. You, there was always a, a choice. There's always something to to do. There's always a choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play a whole lot of it, but I know that this, um, from what you're describing and the, the little stuff you're just showing here on the the demo footage you have is very reminiscent of that in, in at least a small way. Yeah, it, it sounds very similar. Uh, so, on your turn, you have... From the from the start, you basically have three card, act, or three card actions that you can do. That's using three cards in total. And the cards are from your hand, and they can be from any of your heroes. From there, you also have a couple options where you can redraw cards... And then you can also manually move one character per turn. So normally, a lot of your movement is done just by using your attacks and f- causing your character to move to the enemy. Um, and right now on the... So, real quick, just a detour. So right now on the footage that Jared's watching, it's Lilith's power is he, she can corrupt heroes and villains, and that's how she's kind of going about it. And... In the reveal trailer that they showed, Venom gets corrupted. And right now, Jarrett, that is what's known as Fallen Venom. Um, really cool design. Really, really, really enjoy it. Um, but that's one of the big t- 
twists in the storyline of this game is some of the heroes and anti-heroes have been corrupted by Lilith, and you'll have to fight them. Included and kind of revealed were Hulk, Miss uh, Scarlet Witch, and Venom have all been kind of corrupted, and you have to uh, fight them. Venom is one of the is pretty much the first main boss that you'll fight in the game. Um, but back to the the turn order, so you can manually move one character per turn. The rest is basically move, movement based on using your cards. And once you do all those, you pass turn. Your heroism abilities are like interacting with the environments. That's its own stuff. You don't you can do that as many times as you have heroism points. But once you pass the turn, every enemy that's on screen gets to act. So they're not restricted to a set number of turns or a set number of actions they can perform. They're pretty much any enemy that's on screen can attack you. So it can get can get a bit overwhelming. Um, but in order to kind of balance this, there's enemies are classified as into two camps. You have the minion and the elite. Elites have health bars. They have usually some sort of special ability or like a shield. And they can, they're obviously harder to take down. And then you have minions that are taken down in a single hit, regardless of the, the, the source of the damage. And they just serve to flood the stage. Um, which can get a little boring as they just keep respawning um, in some fights. But it's also kind of rewarding to just lay out and kick them into each other and then into an explosive barrel to like wipe out a squad it's it's pretty rewarding so is there is the objective always to just defeat a particular person or yeah so a lot of the objectives that i encountered especially in the story missions resulted in taking out everyone that's on the screen in some of the side quests or like subquests that you could pick up, side missions, they could involve retrieving an artifact and then taking out all the enemies, or preventing an enemy from destroying an object by killing all the other enemies. Stuff like that. So that was that's one of my concerns. It's even in the five hours I played, I felt a little let down by the variety and things to do. But granted, we were also only at this point fighting Hydra agents, like just dudes with guns. It wasn't much variety, but there will be demons and all sorts of other things as you progress further through the game's three acts. So I'm hoping there'll be a bit more variety and it just doesn't turn out to be kill all of X type of enemies over and over again, or prevent X enemies from destroying object. I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't go that way, because that would be a bit of a bummer. But you would say what you saw is promising, at least? The, the gameplay felt good. It was, it was... It's definitely promising. I had a lot of fun playing it. It almost... With the ricocheting and knocking enemies into other other enemies and jumping over things and hurling objects and pushing people into explosive barrels it almost felt like a a, a pinball game in some regards and it, it was a lot of fun it was a it felt a lot better to play than i was expecting it to going in i'm just hoping that it doesn't turn into 60 hours of go to these small arenas kill all the enemies 
can be done. And with bosses, you have to take them down multiple times before they go down for good. And at least in the boss fight that I that we got to play with with Fallen Venom, every turn two more minions would spawn just to fill out the the arena. So it was character to taking out the little enemies while keeping Venom occupied or trying to knock him down as much as I could just over and over and over again until I did that twice. <laughs> and then by the by the end of the boss fight, I was just like, okay, I'm kind of over this. Um, and I'm hoping there's a bit more variety in in the final game as, as you progress further. That's fair. Um, well, one cool level was, though, it was, I want to say the first level that you had access to Spider-Man, it was civilians were trapped under rubble and whatnot and you you were encouraged to rescue them but while the level was playing out venom was like on the roof just chunking large things of concrete at you so you had to make sure your heroes were outside the splash zone while also trying to rescue these uh, civilians and that was kind of cool it was a kind of fun twist and added to the the tactical element and strategy you had to think of so that was pretty cool that was fun. Hopefully there's a good amount of that yeah. level variety. Oh, definitely. Um, but one of the, the big things that surprised me is, like, we had known, they had kind of announced in the initial release that the Midnight Suns, their their secret hideout was this, this place called the Abbey. Now, the, the Abbey ends up being this special magical area locked in a pocket dimension near Salem, Massachusetts and that's what you your your base of operations and what I wasn't expecting, I was expecting coming in from more of an XCOM perspective that it would be a bunch of menus and you click, could check things to do and all is good and then you go on missions I wasn't expecting this giant sprawling area that has areas you unlock via new abilities, kind of like a Metroidvania, that you have treasure chests you can find, that you have these special spots that you can take other heroes to to boost their friendship level. It was... And this whole friendship system is very, very much Persona Social Link-like. <laughs> I was... I was not expecting that. So I guess it's a lot of, uh... There's a lot of opportunity for it, so I guess why not? Yeah. Like, all these all these different characters that you kind of want to talk to and know. That makes sense. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't expecting the, the breadth of things you could do. Like, you can... There's, like, this little pond thing, and um, in one of my periods, I invited Tony Stark, and we just chilled by the... in the pond in our... our swimsuits shooting the shit and that was that and we got friendship points and they unlock special buffs and abilities and then you can have like special side stories happen one of them was so you play as the hunter the child of Lilith who died 300 years ago basically stopping Lilith and you've been revived but you don't really have a lot of your memories so Nico, Doctor Strange, and Magic kind of have created this 
group of individuals to help you get your mind your memories back like this magical organization kind of right there on the on the the grounds of the abbey and as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek i can't remember what it stands for but it's emo so nico just refers to the group as the emo kids so which is which is pretty funny and it's to unlock your memories but in order to do this you have to collect like this different herbs and mushrooms and things like that that are spread like your normal collectibles like in a witcher or something around the the grounds of the abbey and in order to get to some places in the abbey you have to unlock these special like words and like abilities from the gods that will like blast open doors in like a metroidvania style so as you get new abilities you can explore more of the abbey it was incredibly extensive and feels a like a completely different game kind of like um doom eternal's base where like parts of the like you get access to the doors the further along the campaign you get and the more stuff you get when you unlock new abilities you unlock mm-hmm. kind of new uh new routes and you can access new locations in the base you couldn't access before oh. and they unlock other new story stuff or new costumes or mm-hmm. new weapon like whatever like, that kind of stuff it's interesting to that that's a side sort of activity in a game like this, where, where I guess you know, it's not like it doesn't make sense here because there's plenty of if, if they want to, you know, expand and build out this whole base building situation, mm-hmm. that's like the perfect way to do it. Yeah, it's um, it was surprising because at least in the section we played, the abilities you unlock only apply to the Abbey. You don't get them as cards or anything like that. So it's literally only things you do in the Abbey. And kind of on your topic of costumes and whatnot, in Doom, good segue, so there are alternate costumes here in Midnight Suns, which isn't a big surprise because it is a Marvel game, and I feel like every Marvel game has costumes and alternate skins, but we did see, they did show up and kind of answer a couple of my questions. There are real money only So there's a premium currency, so there's a bunch of different currencies, but one of them is a premium currency that you can only get by paying money. You cannot get this currency at all through gameplay, and some costumes are locked behind having requiring this paid currency. And I'm hoping they change this by launch. I I told them they should because I think there's going to be a lot of kickback, but for whatever reason, for... It's not for whatever reason. I, I know they because people want it, but they locked Spider-Man's black suit behind a paid-only currency. Hmm. Like the suit everybody always wants all the time? Yeah, the black suit. The black symbiote suit uh, requires 300 of this premium currency. Now, they weren't wouldn't talk about what the conversion rate is or anything, but still, it's like, ooh, okay then. Now, is, is it just to buy cosmetic stuff so they were very adamant that the premium currency like the marketplace you can only buy the premium currency to unlock things um which which i which i hope is the case because there is so many things that just scream pay real money to get a lot of these things like the gamma coils, the card packs, for example. 
they've said, no, you won't be able to buy card packs and, and these gamma coils to unlock new cards. You won't be able to buy essences, which are these resources that you find along this, the Abbey grounds, which allow you to craft items. You won't be able to find or purchase artifacts or gloss or this or that in the, or the marketplace. Just skins that have no effect on gameplay and i and i'm hoping that that remains the case but i just have this sinking feeling that like six months from now or a year from now suddenly it's going to be like okay you can now buy card packs or these keys that you need to unlock treasure chests that are scattered around the abbey or essences to buy to craft items or gloss that you can use to unlock things for your room or and, and whatnot. I I just have this sinking feeling that down the road they're gonna change their minds, kinda like what they did with Avengers. Yeah, I think I think it's super possible because if if this is one of those this isn't gonna be the same sort of living game situation as the Avengers was. Right. But I I know that the idea being that if you want someone to play this game eight months after launch and new content comes out mm-hmm. it might be intimidating to have to work through the entire you know first chunk of the game to get to the new stuff yeah if you haven't done it already so being able to buy your way through that is usually the option i have a hard time believing that a year from now this is the only property the only developer who's publishing and developing a game that is licensed by Marvel that will decide that's not mm-hmm. the option. Uh, that, that just doesn't sound reasonable. Um, but I think that there's a difference between being able to buy stuff that you can earn without buying it and having to buy stuff you couldn't earn without buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it, the, the exclusive stuff stays just cosmetic, I, I find this to be something that I can ignore. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, nobody likes microtransactions at all, anywhere. Like, just their presence makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I get the the trepidation, but yeah, if I don't have to buy anything, I'm not going to. True, true. Um, I will say it did feel rather slow uh, just to get card packs, like the gamma coils, um, and so basically. With the gamma coils, you get one or two. I got. I eventually got an upgrade in my my abbey that let me. It gave me four random cards, and then I could select to take two. But I, with those two, when you have duplicates of a card, you can take them to blade, and you will upgrade an ability card. Or you, excuse me. Or you can take a new card to add them to a person's deck. But then, you have like one of these packs per. You can unlock one pack, or it, the packs that you have, I should say. I, I don't. Th- I'm pretty sure it's not limited to just a single pack. But so each day is split up into to three segments. You have the beginning of the day, which is considered the prep phase, which you can, which is when you can unlock your gamma coils, start a research with Doctor Strange, spar with someone to gain friendship points, what have you. Once that's done, you go into the mission phase, which is where you actually go out of missions, you do the combat, yada, yada, yada. 
after that you go back to kind of the rest and relaxation the end of the day period where you can hang out with other heroes you can not dates but you can hit have hangout sessions with them that all happens in the evening but in the evening you can't then go also and unlock new card packs that you may have received on the mission you have to instead sleep and then the next morning you can then go and unlock any more packs so there is a bit of time and it was a bit of a slog it wasn't horrible but I could see it, it almost feels slow enough to the point where it I could see it incentivizing hey buy this pack of five gamma coils these five rare gamma coils or whatever I, I could see that I hope it's not the case and I don't think it's going to be a call on Firaxis's part because I have total faith in the guys I could see that being a call coming from up, up above from 2k uh, because 2k publishes it but yeah, we'll see. This is all speculation anyway, so I don't want to spend too, too much time on it. But we'll, we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. But I feel like that's the vibe of what you've seen so far. Yeah. <laughs> like, in closing, we'll see. Yeah. And, and it's true. It's I was definitely happy with what I saw and what I, when I got to play. It felt good to play. Uh, the combat really stood out. It, they did a great job getting past the, the... Letting go of the uh, concept that this is XCOM with a Marvel coat of paint and a, a random card system thrown in. Once you get past that, that is absolutely not the case. And this is from a ground-up, very well-thought-out combat system. And it works really well. I enjoyed it a lot more. Honestly, it felt more like a Metal Gear Acid or um, even a Mega Man Battle Network style of game as opposed to an XCOM. Um, and once I kind of started thinking it more of that way and realizing, oh, there are there have been a number of good RPGs that are card-based that, that work well, um, and just the pedigree for Axis and the XCOM crew has... They deserve your your trust. They've they've done a great job. Yeah, I'm definitely in the same wait and see position. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's like insta buy, but I'm definitely like mm -hmm. very interested in what they show next because it there's a lot of potential here. Yeah, and I think this will be a game that would highly benefit from a demo. Let people download and play the first couple hours get some missions through them, see what the combat system and everything really has to offer, see what the Abbey and the interactions with the cut, uh, the characters have to offer. And I think the the systems and everything that Firaxis and the team have put together will click with a lot of people. It's just getting them to that point and breaking that connection or assumption that this is XCOM with cards and Marvel characters will be really important. Agreed, because it's it, as you're des describing, it's definitely not that, and I think that's yeah. a super important thing to, to get out first because yes. it, it changes my entire opinion of what this game could be. Then, yes, and the team was very adamant. It's like this: there is nothing XCOM about this this game outside of it's the same team making it. Um, it's it's exciting. I'm 
I'm anxious to see. I did feel kind of bad for the developers because up until this point, they kind of made an offhand remark that they wanted to explore this more mystical and supernatural side of Marvel that hadn't really been looked at before. And then they they made subtle mention, well, up until a few weeks ago, because this game deals with the Darkhold, which was recently featured in... Uh, the latest Doctor Strange movie and the stuff with the Moon Knight and the gods and everything. It, it they they just kind of shook their heads because prior to these movies and these shows, a lot of these were deep cuts, like really deep, deep cuts from the Marvel backlog or the Marvel uh, libraries. So when all this started happening and they started diving into the more mystical and magical side of Marvel, they were like. <sighs> Okay, well, I guess great minds think alike. And it could be a blessing in disguise, because now, you know, people who didn't know either way now have at least, like, a light understanding of these Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Some couple cool quick things. In terms of the character creator, um, all the design options, kind of hairstyles and whatnot, none of them are gender-locked. When you create your hunter, you get to pick a body type. But it never specifically says male or female. And then when you create it, you have access to all the makeup, the eyeshadow, the uh, facial hair, all the different hairstyles, regardless of what body type you choose. So that's pretty cool. Um, I also checked out the accessibility op- accessibility options. Excuse me. Um, rather lacking. Uh, they did have uh, closed captioning. They had colorblind settings, but that was about it. But I did bring this up with the team. They are very open to hearing about what people would want from it. Um, I mentioned that being able to simply scale up the closed captions would be a big one. So, But they, they were very open to improving and doing more for accessibility. So be sure to, if you're listening to this, be sure to reach out if you have specific accessibility requests that you would like to see implemented. So that, that was good to see, to see and hear. But yeah, it'd be nice if they had like a uh, go-to place to send that sort yeah. of inquiry. But uh, probably just tweet at them. But yeah, um, out the box though, at least right now, is definitely lacking in accessibility. But their willingness to implement more and, and do more was was good. Um, but I guess, what questions did you have for me, Jared, or would or have about this game still, um, or would like me to uh, talk about? I answered really most of them. I guess the only one I would have left is how, besides how they look, how does sort of progressing and customizing the hunter, how does that work? Uh, sure, so... In terms of customization, really it comes down to, at least in terms of gameplay, it's pretty much the same for the Hunter and all the other characters. It's all about what cards you put in their deck. Um, But you are also able to customize visually the look of both kind of the combat outfits as well as kind of their just everyday hangout outfits for both Hunter and all the other characters. So that's pretty cool. Um, you use this resource called Gloss in order to unlock 
new stuff, and there's different rarity levels of different outfits um, and uh, cosmetics that you can equip. Um, one of the special things about the Hunter's, specifically his combat outfits, are each one comes with some sort of buff and requires certain, usually tied to progression, to unlock them. Um, they, they, the developers did say that you will not be able to use premium currency to buy any plot armor or plot plot outfits for the hunter with these bonuses, um, but they are a special. They are special to the hunter to have outfits or skins that improve stats. So, oh. interesting. Okay, that's kind of kind of you kind of hit all the big yeah sort of questions I had already. Um, but yeah, I think if I had to leave you listeners and anyone with um, some last parting words of of hope whatnot it's this game the developers of this game love comics they have included so many little easter eggs to be on look out for it's their love definitely comes through in in a lot of ways um it's got a really good voice cast um got a lot of a lot of people folks will recognize um I don't want to necessarily say who they are yet because they haven't been officially announced, but um, this game... Uh, one of the things I will touch on is that this game is based around... Even though it's a... What they're saying, a 60-hour RPG, this game, they have focused more on keeping this game replayable as opposed to having endgame content. So th- they are expecting... For Exus is expecting you to play through these games multiple times to experience and kind of max out your friendship levels with every hero because each playthrough you'll only be able to max out three maybe four um and they have confirmed that there will be 13 heroes including the hunter 12 of which you can unlock normally and then the 13th character is kind of still hidden um they haven't announced it's the, the, the last character they haven't announced but I believe they said that it becomes available after uh, once you get into New Game Plus. So, um, so the, the the roster includes Spider-Man, Captain America, Wolverine, Magic, Blade, Doctor Strange, Ghost Hunter, Nico, Captain Marvel, um, Ghost Rider, Scarlet Witch. And the hunter, and then you have one more character that they haven't announced yet. So, good a good amount of characters, each with about twenty abilities, twenty-ish abilities, um, to outfit their decks with. So, good amount of variety. Yeah, it's uh, that's plenty. Yeah, is it is a a good amount, and it well it well you could definitely tell it was still a work in progress build they did say that the game is currently playable from start to finish that the rest of the time will just be optimization and getting things to run well um the version i played on was the pc version with a controller and outside a couple little slowdowns well not slowdowns but some uh 
skips, kind of jumps. Um, felt really good. It felt really good. I definitely came out of my experience with Marvel Midnight Suns far more positive and excited than I than I was for the game going in. So, I consider that a win. <laughs> and that they had like a full game playable to just kind of like polishing now is a good sign for making it out by October. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But yeah, that was... That's kind of my, uh, my summary of my time with my, my, the first five hours with Midnight Suns. Um, yeah, thanks for kind of chatting and, uh, talking with me about it, Jarrett, and asking the questions. Thanks for sharing it with me, because I was very curious. Of course, of course. Um, definitely a bit of a different episode, I know, but with all the craziness of the game week going on like this will be coming out um right after everything gets announced there'll be a new trailer well there is a new trailer out today for marvel midnight suns that you can be sure to check out um but yeah it's just a very busy week and i thought this would be a a fun way kind of a fun offshoot to do this week instead of trying to get one of my busy game journalist friends in for a for a long normal episode so but always good to have talk to you Jarrett we'll have you on for your own normal episode here soon you you're secretly a well you're not sec- not secretly but you're a big RPG fan too you got a lot of classic games you like so we'll have you on normally but I'll see you then definitely but before then where can people find you online Jarrett what do you have cooking go ahead and uh, plug away your stuff find me on twitter that's the easiest way to find me if i'm any good at it i'll share the stuff i have going on sometimes it's not true though <laughs> um if this is going up tomorrow then you probably won't see the next thing i'm doing till friday um, okay. so i won't mention but yeah i'm doing something so follow you on follow. twitter and you will tweet out what you've done i'm guessing Mm-hmm. even better what what is your Twitter for folks listening? J A R R E T T J A W N. Perfect. Sometimes I say it and then it sounds like I didn't say the whole thing. So spelling it, I feel like, is the new wave. It's the it's the hip new way to to say your uh, your Twitter handle. I get it. You're mm-hmm. always ahead of the game on those cool, That's me. super you fun know, things. I'm just a trendsetter. You are. When it comes we're to all spreading information. We're all pl- trying to catch up to you, my friend. Well, everybody, thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. I really appreciate it. Be sure to rate and review us on your preferred podcast for some extra brownie points. As always, you can find me on Twitter at ProfessorRPG. And if you have a favorite RPG or memory you'd like to share with us, tweet at underscore RPG University with your memory. Until next time, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another, class dismissed.